from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is The Diz Unplugged. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for February 3rd, 2010. I'm going to take after Teresa and Kathy on that. (laughs) As you all know, I'm Julie Martin. I'm the host for this week's show. And joining me at the table this week are Corey, the head honcho Martin. Kathy, I'm right on top of that whirling. (laughs) Walter, nature boy Eccles. Kevin, the dining guru close. Okay, I'm waiting. <laughs> and John, the genius Magi. Touched a bullet there. Could have been much worse. There could have been a number of things in there. I like that American Idol intro you did, huh? Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of fun. You guys didn't notice that. I did. <laughs> this is the design fun, as opposed to that. Um, over in the peanut gallery, we have Max the intern Eccles, and poor Teresa, breathless Mahoney Eccles, is out sick today. <laughs> breathless Mahoney. <laughs> See, I would have charged per the minute. <laughs> I would have said charged per the minute. Man, I messed up that joke. <laughs> what are you wearing, Eccles? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just every time I think about her voice, it's what it reminds me of. You know, the Dick Tracy character that Madonna played. I do. So, I hope everyone enjoyed their nickname. So for those of you who haven't listened to our show in a while, or if you're new, we do have a new format going on that we've been experimenting with. Uh, Pete has stepped down from his hosting duties, and each week a different member of the roundtable is going to host the show. Now, this week on the show, we're going to have Dave Parfit, who interviewed tr- the Travel Channel's Samantha Brown. They're going to be discussing the 10th anniversary show that she recorded recently at Walt Disney World. And then Kevin Close has a dining review of the restaurant Christini's. And Kathy Whirling is going to tell us all about Smarter Planet over at Epcot. So we'll have all of that, plus the news, weather, and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. We'll start with housekeeping, and I'm going to go ahead and go first. I have... It's easier when you don't have to call it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel really bad, but we were given a gift at Dizapalooza um, for Christmas for the podcast team. Maple syrup and chocolates and... Um, Max is better. Yeah. Cat napkins for Teresa, which she's missing out on because she's not here. Her cats use napkins? Yes. <laughs> they are well trained. <laughs> they are. I but can't they... even get the dogs to... Never Stop. mind. <laughs> They were from Pam Barton, Disney Dream Girl on the boards, and I wanted to be sure that we told her thank you for sending us those gifts. And then also we have our December prize winner. I couldn't remember his name last week. I just knew his number. <laughs> his name is Tim. He's from Mechanicsville, Virginia, and he chose number 24. You have won a podcast crew. Oh, my God. On the next podcast group, December 12th, 2010. The minimum retail price of this prize $1,300. This courtesy of your friends at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. This is the last time you hosted this. Congratulations. We look forward to seeing you on the podcast cruise December 12th, 2010. Yay. That is so exciting. This gets more than a year. Yeah. That was when the drums go on for a while. It's like, okay, this is. You thought it was something big. What's Tim's name on the board? I don't know. 
Um, Congratulations, Tim. Yeah, I don't know his that's name on great. the boards. Congratulations, wow. that's awesome. I guess that was worth waiting for, huh? Yeah. yeah, but I've, I mean, I know of him because he's written him before. I've sent him stuff. You know, we've corresponded through email. If you can't go, Tim, you get a $25 gift certificate. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should explain, too, that the reason why you heard Pete read the prize is because he's pre-recorded these in the prize matron. No, right. we have him chained in the corner over there. <laughs> We poke the bear. <laughs> but that uh, that's so exciting. That's very exciting. Wow. Very cool. Pull that out. Pull that out of the prize trying. out of there. Well, does anybody else have housekeeping? I have one. It's going to be anticlimactic. <laughs> I know. Um, I just wanted to give a, a shout out to a group of students at um, Western Illinois University. They've been hanging out on the podcast board. They're in Dave Zanola's class called Communication Around the World, and they're learning all about Disney and blogging and communication. So, the otherwise you really as, get a grade for that? Is what they say. <laughs> we're, we're going to Disney World class. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I had chemistry and physics in yeah, college. I never had a cool class like that. <laughs> exactly. Dave just made all that up in his head. <laughs> so he can come back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, we're on to you, Professor. <laughs> Well, anybody else have housekeeping? No. Thank no? you for those gifts, though. Yes, thank yes, you. Thank yeah, you. yeah. They're, very nice. they're very nice. Late, but nice. <laughs> <laughs> the late is my fault, so sorry, guys. We've done that, too, though. Yeah. But um, we're going to move on to the news, and John is our newsman. I am. We need news music. Good yeah. night and good luck. Really? <laughs> <laughs> our first story is Disney and Universal plan big spending on new projects. Universal Orlando says it spent an estimated $130 million on capital projects in 2009. That's about $10 million more than Universal had been projecting as recently as the fall, and it's about $20 million more than what they had planned to spend on capital work at the beginning of 2009. Universal didn't disclose what led to the higher-than-expected spending, and a spokesman for, the, spokesman for the resort declined to provide any details. But the vast majority of the resort's capital spending last year was vo- was devoted to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which is scheduled to open sometime this spring in Islands of Adventure, as well as Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket Roller Coaster, which opened in Universal Studios Florida last August. Uh, with Walt Disney World preparing to break ground on the big Fantasyland overhaul in the Magic Kingdom, the government that oversees th- that property is preparing to spend money on that work as well. The Reedy Creek Improvement District's Board of Supervisors has signed off on a tentative budget of a little more than $1.3 million to pay for the for extending the district's Wait. electric and reclaimed water lines to serve the expanded fantasy land. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It's $1.3 million on the water lines. Right. I thought you were going to say that the expansion was going to point, cost $1.3 million. <laughs> That's pretty cheap. I thought <laughs> that, that numbers can't be right. Right. This is the, again, this is Reedy Creek, which is in... in Charge of the infrastructure gotcha. projects. So I was projecting what you were going to say, and I was wrong. One point three million on just the di- the electric and water. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Among other big ticket projects, Reedy Creek permitted in December was electric work for the new visitor center at ESPN Wide World of Sports, valued at over a million dollars. Facade work for Cinderella's Castle in the Magic Kingdom at eight hundred thousand dollars, and air handler replacements in the Magic Kingdom's Crystal Palace restaurant for $426,000. To replace the air system? Air handlers. What's air handlers? AC unit. Yeah, okay. the filters and they the ductwork. They take out the smell and, and the smoke and the exchanges. Oh, gotcha. And 
Like those things they have in Vegas in the casinos. Right. The air scrubbers. They're spending a lot of money, and I don't know about anybody else, but I sort of am at the point that's like, none of that excites me other than the Fantasyland expansion. It's just like, so what? Well, that's like painting. <laughs> yeah, we painting don't really care about the sewer system, the water system. <laughs> I'm sorry. Eight hundred and some thousand dollars to paint the castle. I mean, if you've seen it or looked at my pictures, eight hundred and some thousand. That's an awful lot. I I saw a few guys outside of Lowe's that would have probably (laughs) five dollars an hour. A couple of day laborers and a bucket of paint. (laughs) Could have got cheaper. How much can gray paint be? (laughs) Uh, And we can see the the spires from Harry Potter Potter Castle or whatever it's called. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Potter Castle. Hogwarts. Whatever. I didn't mean to be flip about that, but I, yeah. I, it's just one of those things that I'm really trying to be excited about it, and I'm just not. I mean, I'm not thrilled, but I hope that it looks as good as the drawings that were shown. The, castle, yeah. from, the castle from I4 looks eerie and spooky and dark and stuff like that. And, and I've sh- not read I the books, and I hate the movies. So I, I, I'm one of those people, John, said, well, you know you're going to have to go. And I thought, all right, I'll go. Well, See, I-, I did a Harry Potter movie marathon before I went to that press event. Watched was all- I not there? Part of it. You <laughs> fell asleep on some of them. She had to watch them the next day. The I watched the first one in. because Karen said the first one is the one that like would get you to understand what was yes, going on. Yes, you have to watch so. that. Yeah, you need to watch them in order. Yeah. But I'm excited after the watching ones? the movies. No. Yeah. I figured one was enough. Did you see Lord of the Rings too? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I no. should sit with them. <laughs> so how about $130 million for... Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Rip Ride Rocket. Is that worth it? Is that going to bring in $130 right. million worth of business? Oh, I think there's we'll loads uh, of I think Harry that, Potter yeah. will. Yeah, I, really I, do. I really do. I, it's crazy, the people, the amount of people yeah. who are nuts about Harry Potter. It is. Okay. I mean, all over the world, you know? Now, if we could just get the Twilight fans in there. Oh. And if you want to see the, we put a blog, Corey put a blog up today about the um, commercial during the Super Bowl for um, Harry Potter. So if you want to get an idea, if you didn't already have an idea of what the area looks like, check out our blog. Our second story comes from the OrlandoSentinel.com, and it's Animal Kingdom gets a new vice president. For the second time in less than a year, Disney, Walt Disney World is shuffling top executives in Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park. Disney has appointed Michael Colglazer to the post of vice president in charge of Animal Kingdom. Cole Glazer was previously Vice President of Business Development and also held positions with Strategic Planning. Uh, strategic Planning for Disneyland Resort, Epcot, and Operations Labor Management, among others, during a 20-year career with Disney. Cole Glazer, Cole Glazer, <laughs> his name is too hard. <laughs> I'm not going to... Meg Crofton. Meg Crofton, Ellie. <laughs> Cole Glazer replaces Kevin Lansbury, who had been vice president in charge of Animal Kingdom for just six months. Lansbury is being bumped up to senior vice president of worldwide travel operations, where he, where he will oversee reservation center operations for all of Disney parks and resorts. Well, at least neither one of them like, lost their job. They were you know, repositioned. What's up with Animal Kingdom? He can only be there like six months. <laughs> Maybe it's that boring. <laughs> What's the, that me. Lansbury guy also in charge of transportation? Was he, he was the one who was moved from a different position into that. I don't yeah. remember what it was, but... Yeah, I think he was the one that was put in charge of transportation, so maybe now this new guy's going to... What I don't understand is how are these executives so interchangeable Yeah, mm-hmm. to go from one business unit to another business unit that seemed to be like, you're, like 
okay, now you're going to be theme parks, but now you're going to be the head of travel company. You have to basically learn a new job. Wouldn't you want somebody with experience in there? <laughs> maybe well, maybe so. now they're going to fix the reservation system. <laughs> we can dream. Yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and our final news story is President Obama promises high-speed rail will start in Florida. I'm excited about that. I was looking to go to Tampa. <laughs> well, I was thinking about just take the train to the beach. You don't have to drive. I think that'd be awesome. President Obama has promised I don't think Florida. You're get off the train and <laughs> Sam drop you off in there. Yeah. No, but I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the train doors have. I can see the waves <laughs> from here. <laughs> if you'd let me read the story, you might find out. This is so much better. <laughs> President Obama has promised Florida federal funding for a high-speed rail line that would connect Orlando to Tampa and eventually Miami. Uh, Florida is expected to receive $1.25 billion to build a high-speed rail line that will connect Orlando to Tampa and Miami, traveling at speeds of up to 120 miles per hour. State officials had asked for $2.5 billion. The proposed stops along the first phase of the rail would be at Orlando International Airport, Walt Disney World, and Lakeland. Okay. All right, let me, and then let me go into, um, in Lakeland, there's controversy over where the stop should be built. Some want it to be at the University of South Florida campus, while others said it should be downtown where more people can access it. The University of South Florida is the largest collection of Frank Lloyd Wright buildings mm-hmm. on one piece of property anywhere in the world. I love Frank Lloyd Wright. That'd be worth a stop. Have you ever gone to see the, the campus? Mm-mm. It's really cool. They're Frank Lloyd Wright buildings, and there's a bunch of them. That's really the only reason. To- well, it's also the <laughs> campus. I mean, I think that makes sense for people who are going to school. $2.5 billion <laughs> to suck students from the Orlando International well, Airport to school? One is they want to stop in celebration. <laughs> <laughs> celebration Town Tavern is going to be thrilled. <laughs> and also a stop could be at Interstate 4 on US 192 on Disney property. So, I mean, they're looking... To hit the places where people want to go, yeah, what doesn't doesn't make sense for people who are commuting, but but it also stated that it was hoping to ha- have people be able to live in one place and work in another. That one person who lives in downtown Orlando and works <laughs> at Florida Southern College is beside themselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is another blow to the Orlando Transportation Company, like exactly the town car thought, services. Right, right. This is another blow to the folks who have small businesses in the Disney area. I also want to add, too, that there is a stop that they want to do, a proposed stop at the Beach Line and International Drive. So that would put tourists out on International Drive. Well, there's a big convention center there. Mm -hmm. Right. Guess we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's going to happen. In my opinion, if I were someone coming to Orlando, I would love the fact that there would be a high-speed rail from the airport to Disney. Right. That would be awesome. The monorail would just seem weird after that. And you could get from Disney to the beach without having to rent a car or depend on... You know, whatever, whoever to take you. Maybe I'm suffering from ennui, but this is kind of like I don't see this as. I, I'm glad it's it's going to provide jobs. It's going to provide. Did it say how much it's going to cost, like per transfer or whatever? And then there's no cost projected cost involved listed. I don't think. You get like a rail. But did ticket. you see the other day after Obama's uh, speech, 
the next day on our local news, they were showing what the trains will supposedly look like. They were showing some that are in Japan that actually go like 200 miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, those are cool. Those are the coolest looking trains I've ever seen. But I don't know if I want to be on a train that goes 200 those, miles per uh, hour. Yeah. We, were on, <laughs> uh, we were on the train in Italy, and that's it went 100 and something, 110 mm. miles an Does hour. Does it seem that fast? No. No, it's the smoothest thing you'd ever experienced. It's just a train ride. It was really great because it was the Eurostar and it had like from seat height to the top of the train was windows and we were driving through the, we were training through the Tuscan countryside. So it was like this beautiful moving film. The ride from (laughs) Celebration (laughs) of Tampa is not that (laughs) soon. I also think that this is, this is the first stepping stone of light rail infrastructure in the country. It's surprising to me that that's what they chose, though. I can understand Washington to New York City. Right. I could understand, you know, um, no, Washington to New York City is pretty much the only Don't they already have a train that, that goes from Washington to Apparently New York? Apparently it doesn't go fast. Enough. Okay. I don't know. But from, from <laughs> Orlando like to Main Street. <laughs> from Orlando to Tampa. I just, it's an hour drive. But think, anyway. about if, think about if one day you had a train that went from Miami to New York City. Wow. I would think that would be yeah, awesome. Yeah, that would be a big deal. When was the last time you were in New York? Stop at Celebration. <laughs> John goes to Miami every weekend, you, you know. <laughs> now you can go someplace you don't want to go fast. <laughs> I, 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 great. I'm excited about it. I'm not trying to I'm <laughs> I'm not convince you. So far, both things you've read, I've kind of gone, you on. So I'm trying not to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we better go before yeah. Kevin's head explodes. <laughs> I'm not trying to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on to the weather on that note. <laughs> Since Kevin's face is in his coffee cup. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I can go to Tampa fast. Ybor City. We do have tickets to see Wicked. Do you think it'll be done by then? I think so. <laughs> there you go. Good reason. Well, starting um, for Thursday, February 4th, you're going to have a high of 76, low of 63. It'll probably be our first really nice day. Um, rain chance is 10%. So, Friday, you're going to have storms, <laughs> if you're here. <laughs> Sorry. 60% chance of rain, but a high of 80, low 58. Saturday and Sunday, you're looking at a 10 and 20% chance of rain, with high in the mid, uh, highs in the mid to high 60s and lows in the high 40s. And then on um, Monday and Tuesday, we'll have uh, 0% and 10% chance of rain, high 69 and 74, lows in the 50s. So, just... One day that's going to be kind of nasty. Did you guys get that storm last night? Yeah. The last two days have been kind of horrible. Yeah. yeah. And it rained. I heard it rain this morning when I was napping with Ferris. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it rained terribly hard this morning. Audio show. Yes, I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up at seven thirty. <laughs> and when he decided to take his nap at ten thirty, Mama conked out too. <laughs> What's the uh, Miami weather look like on Sunday? You have that. Miami's having really bad rains right now. They're actually having flooding. I told flooding. you already. It's going to be nice. I looked last night for you. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm just w- wanting our listeners to know because I'm, do the a lot Saints of play that... better in bad weather or good weather? Indoor. Drunk. <laughs> 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 What's the weather going to be like for the Super Bowl commercials? <laughs> <laughs> they play better when they're drunk. <laughs> it's not supposed to. Well, 10 percent chance of rain in Miami on Sunday. High of 70, low of 55. But it is supposed to, well, 30% chance of rain on Saturday, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. And Punxsutawney so. Phil saw its shadow, so six more weeks of winter, if you believe that. Oh, the groundhog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a big deal when I lived in Pittsburgh. One of our Pittsburgh. listeners, Punxsutawney Phil. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the boards. 
I used to watch that. Katie and I this morning were watching the live feed, but I mean that's a big deal. What time the, do they bring him out? Um, shortly after seven. Oh, do you yeah. see how? No, I'll be there. Do you see how that runs? They snatched that poor thing out of the hole, like Simba in the Lion King. <laughs> it's horrible. But do you know what that does for the local economy? I mean, that is like it's a big their deal. claim to fame. Right. Well, there's not a lot going on in Puxatawney. No. Although. <laughs> That's going to be one of the stops on the train. Is it? <laughs> I started to think about that high-speed rail uh, news story after we stopped talking. It's going to go from celebration to I-4 at 120 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like you blink and you're there. The airport to celebration in a car is 20 minutes. <laughs> How much faster do you need to get there? It's going to be like, you know, you're going to be transported there. I you mean, get there before you It's almost ride. like beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> well, by okay. the time... I, I did it. Okay, great. It struck me. That'd be like really weird. The Main Street trolley could get you there in 20 minutes. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> well, um, that'll do for the weather. And since Corey got his Super Bowl weather update, I'm sure he's all set. Thank you, Julie. You're welcome. We're going to move on to rapid fire. And I would like Walter to go first. Yay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new act at Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil has added a new act to their Lanuba show. It's pink, isn't it? <laughs> I wish. I wish it was pink. I didn't oh, see that. I got to go on YouTube and see that. Oh, I, it was fabulous. Pink was brilliant. I, I heard that she was awesome. And I went. She said some. They did a clip of her. I apologize. I've completely hijacked your. <laughs> I was just about to say that. But go ahead. She, she after she did it, she sang the whole thing live. Yeah. Once heard. you see the video, she then she looked. She, was she dizzy? She didn't seem. She dizzy. might have started out dizzy. She, I don't know. She that does long. that at every concert yeah. with that song. And they said wow. well, you actually sang that live, and she goes, "Yeah." So there's no reason for anyone else to lip sync and i thought well that's pretty much true yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna spin around in a diaper wet 80 feet above the audience <laughs> i like the way they dipped her in milk <laughs> i love the out i love the outfit you know yeah, the outfit was great. Well, of course like she's wearing a robe and he's like what's she wearing under there i said just wait till she mm-hmm. takes that robe off because i've seen her in it i'm like pretty much nothing <laughs> she's wearing a slanket <laughs> she did start out in a slanket but then she had crotch sequins Oh, those sequins were all you know strategically placed. It's a flesh-colored leotard. But right, right. She has an amazing body. She, she can did. wear well, that. Well, she used to be a gymnast, right? If you haven't seen Pink at the Grammy Awards, you got to go see it. It's brilliant. Or watch the Funhouse concert on Palladia. Okay, yeah, Walter, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Here, you can have your rapid fire back. We're then. keeping it Disney. I'll, I'll pick up from the beginning. Cirque du Soleil has added a new act to their Lanuba show at Downtown Disney. Anthony Gatto, world-renowned juggler, has brought his act to to the Orlando show beginning February 5th. Guests can see Gato juggle hoops, clubs, and balls during the show. He's, he holds 11 world records in juggling and does it all with amazing speed and accuracy. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be good. I, I, I would like to go see him because I love Cirque du Soleil. I think it'd be interesting. I, I, can, I can juggle three apples. He replaces wow, the, 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 the chair I have an stacker. iPod and an iMac. The chair and stacker. Oh, yeah, that was kind of a snooze. So, I, yeah, I think juggling <laughs> might be a little better than chair stacking. Yeah, that, that was losing my interest at the, the chair stacker. Is he going to juggle, like, chainsaws and yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's where it It's becomes only interesting if there's a chance they're going to die. Something dangerous. Yeah. Fire. Those little Chinese yeah. girls who spin the things. I like to see him juggle those. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay for those. <laughs> I would. We'll just go in a row. Kevin, you can be next. Thank you. Uh, Mine is very simple. Mine's not funny. I would like to thank the folks who have read and posted on the boards about the article about my dad in the newspaper. I can't tell you how much the support means to my family. Um, And just 
the fact that you guys are behind us. I really do appreciate it. That's it. My rapid fire is uh, there were some announcements about the new Disney Dream this week. Uh, more things are, are being announced about what's going to take place on the boat. There's going to be a nine-hole miniature golf course called Goof, Goofy Golf, a Nemo-inspired water play area for kids featuring a small water slide, water jets, and other water features. It will, it will be enclosed with glass. An interactive sports deck that will have two digital sports simulators and two mini-sized sports courts where small children can play soccer and basketball. A full-court basketball area that can be transformed into a mini-soccer pitch or volleyball court. And the sports deck will also have table tennis, foosball tables, and will be ringed by a walking track. So none of the things I will ever use. (laughs) (laughs) Can any of them be turned into a casino? Can you review those for us, John? (laughs) I think the kids' area, uh, water play area is fantastic. Yes. Did you see pictures of it at all? No, I didn't get to see that yet. It's really cute. The artist renderings are really cute. When they drag out the slot machines, go me. Done. (laughs) Done. Uh, I want to let everybody know that we have a new advertiser on the site, uh, David's Vacation Club Rentals. This is a tool for people that want to um, to rent Disney Vacation Club points. If you're one of those people that don't feel like going through the rent trade board um, or renting your points that way, he offers a service where you can do it through his website, dvcrequest.com. And oh, that's cool. We do receive money for his advertising, yes. so we want to make He's sure we mention that. My turn. Done. <laughs> Done. It's okay. up to you, Kathy. So far, this has been kind of low-key. <laughs> no <laughs> pressure, kick though. kick it up a notch? <laughs> oh, I don't think mine's very exciting either. But just wanted to bring people up to speed that um, the ferry boats over at Magic Kingdom, um, they're doing some dock work and things that between noon and 6, you may find out that the ferry boats aren't running, so you'd want to use the monorail. So allow a little bit of extra time if you're trying to get over to the Contemporary or one of those places for a um, character meal. Um, the uh, ferries are at half capacity after that time, and they won't allow the ECVs, wheelchairs, or strollers. So if you've got a um, person that needs one of those, you need to use the monorail. Um, wow. They're refurbishing the main slip at the TTC so they have to use a temporary slip, which can't accommodate that. So um, I wasn't able to get an end date on this, and the so it may change daily, probably. It depends on how the work's going. And then the green route to the campground only has one boat on it right now, so that's going to slow things down a little bit. Hmm. So just be aware, allow a little bit of extra time, or you know, keep an eye on the dis boards, and we'll have it update. I wonder where they're going to put that temporary dock. I think it's already there. Is it? Do you know where it is? I think it, I mean, from the way I remember it, there, there's always been something next to the dock that they Right, I agree. Yeah. It was kind of like where Oh, it's they just stored, like right next to it. Right, yeah. It's kind of oh, like where oh, they I stored see. the boat that wasn't running. Yeah. Oh, I envisioned something completely different. It's yeah. really difficult for someone who's pushed a wheelchair to get to the Magic Kingdom via the monorail because you have to push a wheelchair up that hill mm. at the Ticket and Transportation Center. So if you're coming from the parking lot, you might need some help. That's that's a pretty steep hill to push a, a wheelchair up. You know, that's surprising they never put, like, an elevator or made it more handicapped accessible. 
Or like one of those moving walkways. Even if you've been yeah, walking something. around the park all day, walking up that hill could be... Yeah. <laughs> I know, leaving the Magic Kingdom and pushing Ferris is not fun up that hill back to the monorail. All right. The one going into the park seems a little steeper. Um, the one coming out of the park, especially if you're parked... Um, if you're going to the resorts, it's mm-hmm. steep enough. But the one going mm-hmm. into the Magic Kingdom, and for somebody who is in a wheelchair that's self-propelled, that that's a haul. Hmm. That's a haul up those hills. So it really is. I know, but it's just funny, haul up the hills. But, but I mean, d- doesn't that seem strange that they never did something? I mean, Disney's so on top of making sure everything's accessible. Yeah. I mean, technically it is accessible. There's no steps. There's, I mean, it's... I guess, but... Just not easy. Right. I don't know that that ramp would meet ADA standards now. I imagine that Disney hasn't had to change it because it is accessible. But there's some kind of formula that how much elevation a ramp can have per feet of ramp. I know when we were putting a ramp on the front of our house when my mom first came out of the hospital that we had to do it according to ADA standards. And that's why a lot of the ramps have switchbacks because they can only elevate for so many feet of actual ramp. Like the ones okay. at Treehouse Villas, those go forever. Right, that's mm-hmm. be, that's why you have to park like yeah. <laughs> a half a block away to make sure that because those ramps have to be, they can't be too steep for somebody to navigate by themselves. Hmm. I saw your photos, Kathy, of the new specialty burger at Pecos Bills. Did anybody yes. else see the specialty burger? Doesn't it look tasty? Mm-hmm. It has onion rings on it. <laughs> the meat was gray. <laughs> and that's after a photo stylist right. got hold, a food stylist got hold of it. That's after retouching. The food, the meat was gray. I always think when I drive through Wendy's, I want the burger that's in the picture. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want the one that's wrapped up and stuffed in a bag. Corey <laughs> has something about square hamburgers. It weirds him out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, just, I just can't do like, like the Wendy's. No uh, square burgers for him. No, no square burgers. It's just right. not. Somebody <laughs> did post on the Diz, though, that they went over and had one. Was it good? And they, they enjoyed it, but uh, I'll have to go over and check it out. I mean, it's a lot on a burger. I mean, your mouth mm-hmm. is only so big, but all right. Again, I think it's an exaggeration. I'll I'm take a picture sure when it's all I go over. squashed down. And it's been sitting there for like 20 minutes mm-hmm. or so. Soggy and bite-sized. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Well, mine's not nearly as fun. <laughs> Disneyland rehabs. Um, the Davy Crockett Explorer canoes are going to be out of commission until May 6th. Shoot. <laughs> Everything's going to be out of commission on the rivers of America. It's drained. Have I you know. seen the pictures of it? So, Fantasmic until May 6th. Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience is going to reopen, as we know, to Captain EO on February 10th. <clears throat> uh, Le Petit Chalet Gifts is going to be closed until February 10th. Uh, of course, the Mark Twain Riverboat, Rivers of America, Sailing Ship Columbia will all be closed until May 6th. The Starcade until February 1st, which was yesterday. And then Tom Sawyer Island, of course, February uh, will be closed till May 6th. It's a small world. They're removing all the holiday decor. Will be Oh, well, it's back up. It was back up on the 28th of January. And then Tomorrowland Terrace until July 1st. The Matterhorn Bobsled until March 11th. And King Arthur's Carousel until March 10th. And then over at California Adventure, the Orange Stinger is going to reopen as Silly Symphony Swings on April 28th. Francis's Ladybug Boogie <laughs> will be back on the 4th of February, which is uh, Thursday. And then the Golden Zephyr reopens on April 2nd, and it's Tough to Be a Bug on March 8th. So pretty much everything's closed. So you, get yeah. to, you can eat popcorn. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe watch a parade. I'm too excited to sleep. Tom has posted some um, Disneyland updates on the Diz Unplugged board. Have you seen what they're doing with the world of color? Oh, I can't wait to see Where that. they've drained the lagoon. 
it looks like something NASA's doing. It, it's amazingly mm-hmm. interesting. The lights and the water jets yeah. and the water cannons. But there are, there, there are pictures on our boards of it. And thanks, Tom. And he also, I think he was the one that also posted the pictures of the trolley that's now going to be over in California Adventure. Oh, sort of I, like I, I, our Main Street trolley. Right. Was this on the Diz Unplugged board? Or? I believe it was. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to our first segment, which is Dave Parfit and his interview with the Travel Channel's Samantha Brown. Greetings, everyone. This is David Parfit, special correspondent for the Diz Unplugged. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Travel Channel personality Samantha Brown to the show. Samantha has taken time out of her busy production schedule to join us and talk about her experiences at Walt Disney World. Thanks for joining us, Samantha. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Samantha is currently the host of Samantha Brown's Great Weekends on the Travel Channel, but she has hosted several series on the network, including Great Hotels, Passport to Europe, Passport to Latin America, and Passport to China. However, Samantha Brown is also a self-described Disney fan and has filmed numerous programs at Disney's parks and resorts, including a portion of her 10th anniversary special for the Travel Channel. Samantha Brown's 10th anniversary features four all-new one-hour specials beginning Monday, February 8th at 8 p.m. on the Travel Channel. On Wednesday, February 10th at 8 p.m. is the Samantha Brown Fanathon, where she celebrates 10 years of travel at the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida, with some VIPs, her fans. Samantha, what keeps bringing you back to Walt Disney World? Just to get that feeling again I had when I first came, I think that's one thing that we all love about Disney World. No matter how many times you go to the Disney parks, whether it's California or Florida, it brings you back to when you were a kid again, and it just has that that magic about it. In your Great Hotels series, you feature Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, Wilderness Lodge, the Beach Club, Yacht Club, Grand Floridian. Do you have a favorite place to stay on Disney property right now? I do. I love the Grand Floridian because of its beauty and its Victorian charm, as well as its convenience towards uh, the Magic Kingdom. And But I have a very soft spot for also the Animal Kingdom Lodge, which uh, was just an incredible experience. It really felt like they had given me the experience of, of Africa. I've never been to the continent. I hope to go. But for most of us out there, the idea of going to Africa is about as probable as going to the moon. So it really, again, that, that Disney ability to bring you an experience you never thought you could have is really strong there. The Grand Floridian, they had those great Christmas decorations as well with their huge gingerbread house they put up. Yes, yes. I was just there recently during the holidays and to see the, the gingerbread house again and just everything decked out. And then, of course, the mezzanine level where they have the orchestra playing. And it really puts you in the holiday spirit, even though it's, you know, 82 degrees outside. That's right. <laughs> and Animal Kingdom Lodge, like you were saying, it's amazing how Disney has made a place that really transports you somewhere else. You don't feel like you're in Central Florida anymore when you're on that property. Not at all, and there's such integrity behind not only their design at Disney, but the way they treat and hire their cast members, because everybody, I believe, who works at Animal Kingdom Lodge is from Africa. I think that's and right. They, yes, and so they'll have their name tag as well as the country they are from, and you can stop them and talk to them about their country and what their traditions are there and how they say hello in their country. So also it's such a learning and educational experience that just goes beyond an amusement park, which we all know that Disney just isn't and, and gives you a, a lifetime experience, which it does so well. I couldn't agree with you more. And One of my favorite things 
be it Epcot's World Showcase or the Animal Kingdom Lodge, is talking to those cast members. I mean, how many times do you get a chance to talk with somebody from Botswana about right. the African animals that you're seeing out on the savanna that are out there? It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. When it was announced you were filming part of your 10th anniversary show at Walt Disney World, our listeners and readers were buzzing with excitement. And I remember someone saying, I love Samantha Brown. She's the reason I drink Grand Marnier orange slushies in Epcot. I'm glad I'm keeping those sales up. Exactly. (laughs) So I know many of our readers and listeners answered the casting call, asking for families to be a part of the show. What was that experience like for you, filming in Disney World with your fans? It was so much fun. And and first of all, I I didn't know they were fans. I had just arrived uh, in Orlando coming from Vietnam and Hong Kong. So you want to talk about a huge cultural adjustment. Sure. Um, And I, because we, our shooting schedule is so tight and we needed to get these specials and sort of, you know, in in the can, as they say, and ready to go. And so I remember showing up. I think we are, you know, our first shooting day began at 6.30 a.m. And then all these people were there. And I just thought they were extras. And when I found out they were real fans, that, that that's where they were chosen, that not only were they, they are brought in. I mean, as, as people know, if they answered the casting call, you are chosen because one thing that, and this is what I love about Disney, is we don't want to just go out in the crowds and take people that are there in the parks because really the reason why people are there in the parks is to enjoy Disney World. It's not to be a part of our show. And so we don't want to take from anybody's experience and that's why these people, uh, these fans were sought out before we even arrived. So I, I didn't know that. I thought they were extras and pretend, maybe pretending to like me. I don't know. And so I found out that they were like, oh, and I remember that moment. I'm like, they're like, oh, we're, we're, we've watched you for a while. I'm like, oh. I'm like, so do you know the show? And they're like, well, yeah, that's why we're here. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know they were real bona fide fans. So it was really great. It oh, was, that's great. And that was so they were all fantastic. And then what you see on camera is, is real. And when the cameras stop rolling, we're still talking and yucking it up. So it was really special for me to have people who really have supported me through these 10 years there with me. Oh, that's great. That's great. That must have made the show even more special then. Absolutely. What should people tuning into the show expect to see? Oh, well, basically, it's, it's the best party backdrop of the world. Um, I think I made a joke, Would you, I, we could go bowling or we could go to Disney World for my 10th anniversary party. And so it's, you know, it's just the perfect place to, to throw the party and to springboard to the fans' favorite scenes. The, the Disney show is the fan-a-thon. And so, I don't know how many months ago, Travel Channel put up favorite clips of like either embarrassing moments or awe-inspiring moments and, and had the fans vote on what their favorite moments of my last 10 years have been and the travel experiences I've had. And so this was, we were in Disney to introduce the fans which one had won and, and which ones they uh, they liked as well uh, alongside the winner. So we would be in Paris to dining scene to introduce the best eating segment uh, that fans voted on and, and uh, most thrilling moments and so we just uh, we were all over the parks just filming certain areas that would segue nicely into uh, other parts of my travel. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. I have to ask about one of your previous shows. I think it was one of your Christmas specials, and I remember you were touring Animal Kingdom, and you were not only able to ride the Expedition Everest roller coaster, but you were able to ride it with Walt Disney Imagineer Joe Rohde. Yeah, rock star. Exactly. The executive designer, creative of Walt Disney Imagineering. I was so jealous when I saw that. I was there, and I was just fish 
chum. And when I walked, when I walked the streets of uh, Animal Kingdom, everybody went up to him. Was, I mean, people know who he is. To, uh, those who visit Disney World love him. And uh, he, you know, when I knew I was going to be spending time with him, I, I have to admit I was a little intimidated. Here's a one very busy man, very important man, and you would have to believe with the work he has done and what he his mind is capable of that maybe he would be a little bit just artistic and therefore sometimes you have troubles kind of just having a normal everyday conversation with someone like that and when I met him he was such a relaxing kickback kind of guy and it was great talking to him about his travels and how both of us, our job is to travel, but his is the added, I need to bring it back. So I guess I could say his, his souvenirs are a lot bigger than mine. He's <laughs> entire, you know, Tibetan villages. Exactly. Um, uh, so he's just a fascinating man and yet so accessible, friendly, and just I can't imagine Disney Parks having a better ambassador. That's great to hear. Do you have a favorite attraction in the Disney Parks? I, I'm a huge fan of Soren. Oh, yes. Have you seen Turtle Talk? I have seen Turtle Talk. Yes, that is good. Well, the first time I saw that, I was just mesmerized. I, I think I was more in awe than the three-year-old I was sitting next to. I was like, oh, my gosh, the turtle, like the turtle's talking to us. <laughs> and uh, it just shows you again that and another reason why you return to Disney year after year is that they always have something even more imaginative, more unbelievable up their sleeve and, and ready to go. So you always want to see what the next frontier is because Disney is always setting that expectation. And I really like how they're going to these interactive attractions as well. Mm. Things like Turtle Talk, the Kim Possible World Showcase Adventure that they just have. Those have been great. Yeah. One thing you hear about Disney and the knock on Walt Disney World is it's not authentic, but instead it's an artificial and manufactured environment. Mm. So now mm -hmm. you've traveled all over the world. You travel more than 200 days out of the year, and yet you continue to come back to Disney Parks so how would you address those criticisms? Oh, well, I, I disagree with that. I uh -huh. disagree that it's artificial, meaning that it's fake. I think it was one thing that Disney does so well is make every experience as real as it possibly can be and more accessible because we can't go to places like Africa. Some of us can't go to places like Japan, as you would say, in Epcot. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times, actually, just recently when we were in Cambodia, we, were, we got to tour... We had the privilege of touring the amazing Angkor Wat temples that were built, you know, 800 years ago. And there are these massive structure, structures, and, and at one point, all of us, my crew, said the same thing. They're like, it's just like Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it happens vice versa. It's like the, the switch, you're in this, you are in the real place, and it's just so real that all you can think of, this is just like Magic Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they do a very good job, even though, yes, no, they're not not in you're not in Japan you're not in Norway or the other countries represented but boy you feel like you've had a great experience nonetheless and I think the example of Joe Rohde is a perfect one too I mean here is one of the heads of Walt Disney Imagineering and he travels to the Himalayas to do his research on Everest to find out what those Tibetan villages are like to come right. back and try to make as authentic an experience as they can in the animal yes. kingdom well, and that's the thing, and the, the Mount Everest ride and, and so many of the other sorry, attractions, rather, they have that whole build-up. While you're waiting in line, you're snaking through Tibetan villages, you're, you're going through haunted homes, and what 
Insight gives you, which is very similar to the so-called real travel experience, is that it gives you uh, an emotional value to yeah. it. Uh, emotionally, you're now becoming invested in this attraction to the point where you have an expectation, and then you get to take the roller coaster ride through Mount Everest, and you've had the, the full, full experience from... Uh, just kind of anticipating it, getting excited, and then having it, and now it's done. And that's what travel is all about. It's about emotionally investing yourself into something that's different than uh, what you're normally used to. Yeah, well said. I'm sure you've heard this hundreds of times, but so many people would love to have your job. What do you love most about it, and what do you find is the hardest thing about your job? What I love most about my job is that even though I do get to travel to these amazing places like China, uh, like Buenos Aires or Paris, really... What it comes down to is that I get to spend time in somebody else's life, and I get to learn from them and learn a little bit about myself in the process. I think there's nothing that gets me more passionate about my job than just everyday people but in extraordinary places and learning from them. What is difficult about my job is simply the being away from home so much. I'm away from home 230 days out of the year, and it can be tiring. You miss home. I get homesick terribly. Sure. But that only helps me really invest in the people I'm going to meet that day and the culture that I'm about to get to know because without it, it, it could be a really lonely job and it isn't. It's just pockets of sort of, okay, I'm missing home. But when you meet people around the world and open themselves up to you, yes, it is the best job in the world. <laughs> you, have a, you have a great attitude too. You seem very thankful for the people that are really opening up their lives to you to, to show you around as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm so privileged. I'm so privileged, and I never forget that. And you really do. The more I get to see in the world what I call big-ticket items, whether it's the Great Wall of China or I get to hold a panda bear, really, in the end, it's just the everyday person and what makes them tick. And it's that, that experience of getting to know somebody else, carrying on a conversation, and understanding a little bit about another person, and therefore the greater world, that, that travel is so important to do. And to take it back to Disney, the, the fact that they do have, when you go to Epcot especially, everybody from those countries, from those pavilions, are from that country. If you're in Paris or in France, you're going to meet people from France. And my biggest piece of advice for people going to Disney is to take advantage of that. Talk to them. You know, even at, you know, have them tell your child how do you say hello in their language, and have them say hello back. It's such an amazing advantage you have to going to Disney World. I couldn't agree with you more. After your 10th anniversary special, what do you have coming up next on the Travel Channel? Well, we're doing we're shooting an Asia series. I just recently got back from Cambodia and Thailand, two incredible countries. Really loved being there. And the hospitality and just the cultures of Asia are just, they're so different from our own. And I love it. I love that idea of just feeling like I'm, I might as well be on the moon. So that will air sometime in July. But we also have the, the weekend series airing again, the third season, at the end of March, I believe. So there's okay. some really great destinations there that people should look out for. So lots to come. And then we have my whole fam, fam week the 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, so next week. That's right, and I'm sure many of our readers and listeners will be watching your 10th anniversary special starting Monday, February 8th, and we'll be particularly interested to see the new show filmed at Walt Disney World on Wednesday, February 10th at 8 p.m. Yes. on the channel. Yeah, please do, please watch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us, Samantha. I really oh, appreciate welcome. it. I love Disney. This is David Parfit signing off for the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you so much, Dave. That was another awesome interview. And thank you to Samantha for agreeing to be interviewed by Dave. That was really I was cool. going to do the interview, but nice. the, the, um, the security guards wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't even talk the to The restraining her over the phone. order is still in place. I was just going to say, you do you know, the phone, right? You. I know, but the yeah. restraining order, I can't even call her house. You can't even talk to her. <laughs> you can get within 500 feet. Or <laughs> you know, it's funny. If you Google Samantha Brown, one of the key photos that comes up is a picture of her and Kevin. <laughs> she probably has Googled herself and thought, is that cool? <laughs> I remember him. <laughs> and just think, I've been to Africa and Samantha Brown hasn't. Oh, yeah. Mm, wow. <laughs> go ahead. Make the noise. I can't. <laughs> you just ate cream cheese. You just ate cream cheese. Good thing we had it recorded. Oh, no. It really was. Excellent interview, Dave. Yeah, Dave. So the much. interviews are getting better and better. I have to tell you something. I'm envious that Dave got to talk to her. He does such a good job. I, I am impressed with how well he does this. And he got a genuine like cackle laugh from he her. Did. Oh, yeah. she was enjoying she herself. She was very she? excited about yes. the orange slush being popular. <laughs> I think that's what makes her so popular. She's she seems very authentic. Mm-hmm. She does. She doesn't strike me as being on television. She strikes me as somebody you could be friends with. So it made me want one of those. I like how she said with uh, you know Joe Rody, he has to travel too, but his job is to bring it back. <laughs> his souvenirs are much <laughs> bring larger. Bring back a Tibetan village. Yeah. <laughs> I liked how you said he, she was worried about interviewing him and talking to him. She really meant she thought he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been a little nuts. With I've hearings. actually met Joe Rody. I know we have. We met yes. him at Animal Kingdom Lodge. I thought he was pretty nice in person. Uh-huh. He, he appeared much, I don't want to say nicer, but a lot more. He was very humble when I spoke with him. He um, was with some other Imagineers, and he touted their accomplishments, and he told me those were the rock stars of tomorrow. I don't remember their names. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. You were at the lodge, right? Yeah, we were having dinner. John and I were having dinner at Chico, and he was having dinner at Chico, and we were leaving at the same time. No, he was in line in front of us checking in to Chico. And then he, they got. They had to wait. Oh, they went right. upstairs to get a drink. And I kept prodding you. I said, "Go up and talk to him." Go I didn't want to inter. I would never have interrupted him while he was eating dinner. But he was waiting in the lounge for his table. You're right. I'm my mistake. Cool. We have all the videos up from uh, the 10th anniversary for uh, the Animal Kingdom when Joe mm-hmm. Rody spoke hey, on YouTube. To- I'm going home and set my TiVo for next week. I didn't know this stuff was coming. Yeah. yeah. February 8th. She said, "Correct." Yep. To next Monday. The only thing I've not enjoyed that Samantha Brown did was Passport to South America. I don't think I saw that I one. didn't want to go to any of those places. She went to places whose names I can't even remember or pronounce. But it was like, I'm on a dusty soccer field. Wouldn't you like to be here? And I kept thinking, no. <laughs> I liked uh, when she went to China. Yeah, I did too. Her series in China was spectacular. She does a great job, no matter where she is. I think, I think I'd be excited to see Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. That we nice. just watched... Um, we just watched one of her Passport to Europe specials the other day, or shows about uh, cans and knees. Or can. Yeah. Well. Fascinating stuff, huh? Europe is always going <laughs> to, you know, be my special place. But um, I, I want to ask you guys, have you noticed how smoothly the show is moving along since a certain someone is job. not here? Oh, I thought you were saying it to you. <laughs> you're doing an excellent job, but could no, be because Teresa's not here. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Peggy Lee with her fever. <laughs> She's not here. Let's kick her when she's there. Right? She she no, 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 no. Walter, don't say that. We kick her while she's here. 
I have you know, I was raised right. I make fun of people behind their backs. (laughs) (laughs) She posted a photo of herself on Facebook, a young photo of herself. She looks exactly like Marie Osmond. It is uncanny. Uh, (laughs) It's really hilarious. She was in a little mood to post old photos. She put some of the mags. I called her last night and she was going through old photos. She was holding paper roses. Too cute. And we also missed out on the birthdays this week. So be prepared next week, guys and lady. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We did miss birthdays. Yeah. (laughs) So she's going to have her list next week. February's a big month. We're going to move on. Um, Kevin, if you don't mind, we're going to move on to your dining review of Christini's. I don't mind at all. Uh... As I, we've told you more times than we can count, our uh, Christmas Eve tradition was to go see the Candlelight Celebration at Epcot and then have dinner. And we thought it was difficult to do that after Bob passed. Bob was a big part of our celebration. And it, we still did it. It was just a little tougher. And this year, after my dad passed, my dad thought that was one of the highlights of the year. And you've all heard about the picture of my dad with the man with no shirt on last year, (laughs) a year ago, the man with who came in and sat down and took off his clothes. Uh, We all decided that we couldn't go forward with doing that this year, that we had to come up with a new tradition, a new something new to do. But how do you beat the shirtless man anyway? We weren't trying to beat it. We were. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you something, Julie. The shirtless people follow us. I don't know what it is. I seem to attract these people. I don't know if it's karma or aura or I just look like I can be talked to or what. (laughs) With your shirt off. The crazy people follow me. It just, you know, John, I'll go in a store and I'll come out and I'll say, you know, I was standing there getting a pound of turkey and the lady at the, the, the deli station told me about her kids and how one of them just fell off his bicep and he'll just sit there with his, his jaw on his chest and he'll say to me, why do you even talk to these people? I'm like, well, I didn't go up and ask about her kids. <laughs> I get that in the store a lot and it's like, okay. You so know. this year we decided that we were going to try something entirely different and since we've moved to Florida, my family and I, uh, there's been a restaurant in the Sand Lake Dr. Phillips area called Christini's. And we went, we've decided we wanted to try it, and we went one time and looked at a menu, and this is one of those places where you have sticker shock. Mm. And it's Italian food, and it is very, very expensive. So we, at the time, backed away from it and had never gone. And this year we decided that it was time to try something and that we deserved an extravagance. So John and my mom and I, on Christmas Eve, made we made reservations to go to Christini's. Christini's is in a strip mall. Uh, it's at the corner of Dr. Phillips Boulevard and Sand Lake Road, right in the same uh, strip mall with two J's and oh, Five okay. Guys Burgers okay. and things like that. But it sits back in a corner. It's very unobtrusive. You really have to kind of look for it. There's a big clock tower in the strip mall, and it sits right behind the clock tower. So we made our reservation for 6 p.m., and when we got there, the parking lot was empty. And we thought, oh, my gosh, did they decide to close for Christmas Eve? Come to find out they don't open until 6 p.m. So we had the first reservation. Christini's is overly fancy, in my opinion. I've described it as kind of like eating in the Haunted Mansion. It's very, very dark and very Baroque. It's There's not like a spot that's not 
decorated with more than it needs to be there. <laughs> um, it reminds me of the ballroom scene in <laughs> the one in Mansion without the ghosts. <laughs> and, however, the people were lovely when you first check in. The thing that you're going to notice upon arrival is that the staff outnumbers the number of people in the restaurant. There's an enormous amount of staff. When you finally sit down to dine, you realize that there are three people waiting on you. Not three people waiting on your table. There are three people waiting on you. So there's a lot of staff milling around. Uh, The restaurant is highly regarded. It's been there for 25 years. When you first walk in, you're told that all of the olives and olive oil are grown on Mr. Cristini's farm in Greece. He raises his own olives and olive oil. And I kept thinking, I really want to meet Mr. Christini. And I thought, I thought he was some sort of mythic character. Mr. Christini was in the restaurant. Lovely man. Lovely to talk to. Uh, he's a little... He speaks very softly. And when he came to our table, there's an accordion player who wanders from table to table. Oh, Lord. Playing yeah, exactly. Italian classics. And he was at the next table. So Mr. Christini was a little hard to hear. Over the accordion player. <laughs> Just a side note, the accordion player comes to your table and tells you he'll play anything you want. And we have a thing. I don't, I'm not big on strolling musicians. I'm not either. I'll no. duck under the table. Well, we have this thing that we say, don't make eye contact. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we got the accordion player and we just, the three of us all of a sudden become mute and we sit there with these dumb smiles on our face and nodding, like, go away. <laughs> but it was funny as we were having dinner. You could tell what other people were doing. He comes to your table and tells you he'll play anything you want to hear. And you know people are trying to get him to say, oh, I don't know that, and walk away. During dinner, we heard Inga Gata Davida on the accordion. (laughs) (laughs) We heard Stairway to Heaven. (laughs) And we heard Purple Rain. Oh, that would be interesting. (laughs) And you could tell exactly what people were doing play Purple Rain. And you were hoping that this older man with an accordion would say, oh, I don't know Purple Rain. And all of a sudden you'd hear that squeeze box thing going. And it was like, oh. Apparently he has nothing better to do than learn songs on the accordion. <laughs> or he's decided that no one's going to stump the band. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, was, it was very funny. Uh, the menu is all Italian. There are three antipasti. There's, I'm sorry, there's six antipasti. There's a veal segment there is uh pastas we started when you first sit down we started with uh they bring you out a bowl it looks like ranch dressing however it's this eggplant mixture that's made with cream cheese and sour cream and they bring you out this huge bowl of homemade bread and i have to tell you i could have stopped right there between mr christini's olives and this bowl of eggplant dip. Now they put bread, uh, olive oil and butter on your table if that's what your choice is. This is a spectacular little freebie. The taste was just incredible. It's an eggplant dip kind of thing. We started with appetizers. My mom and I each had the stew, the soup, excuse me. Uh it was a minestrone and while we were sitting there I described it as the best soup I had ever tasted in my entire life. Mm, It was spectacular. Had a rich beef broth base to it and pasta in it. However, it's $11.50 a bowl. 
And we're not talking about a huge soup bowl. Right. Oh. You're not getting a tureen for eleven fifty. You're getting about the size of a small coffee cup. So it's wow. pricey. Wow. Uh, John had the special appetizer. They had, John likes gnocchi. Now, I'm sure uh, there are yeah, a mm-hmm. thousand other pronunciations by that. That's how I was. How do you pronounce it? Gnocchi. Gnocchi. It was a homemade gnocchi. And I usually find gnocchi a little, like... Bland? Lead weights. Yeah. You know, you eat them and it's like... Poof. These were made out of angel wings. They were just light and fresh and flavorful. And they came in a bolognese sauce, which was a meat sauce uh, uh, where the meat is cooked for so long that it kind of just breaks up into the sauce. Again, these were spectacular. How much were they? You could get either the appetizer or the full entree, and I believe the appetizer was twelve fifty, and the entree was like twenty five dollars. Now wow. again, this is not a huge portion. Got like four. This would fit <laughs> into that small coffee cup again. These are just appetizer prices. Entrees were in the thirty to fifty dollar range. Uh, I had the chicken parm with pasta. My mom had the chicken piccata, and you had the asabuco, mm-hmm. which was a special of the evening. However, I, apparently I don't know as much as I think I know. I always thought asabuco was veal. John had a lamb asabuco. I'm not a fan of lamb. Me neither. I don't, and invariably they serve it with that. Repulsive mint jelly. I don't like the mint jelly. He likes like the lamb. lamb. <laughs> yeah. John raved about this. I, I, it's it's, incredible. I didn't even try it because I think to myself, if you're liking it that much, and I know offhand I'm not going to like it, why even waste it? Just yeah. go ahead. Uh, my mom and I, the, she found the lemon or the chicken piccata just a little too lemony. The lemon was the main feature of this. Usually, it's a kind of a mild lemon sauce. This was very lemony, so she and I changed dishes i like lemon i like chicken piccata this was puckery lemon and it was good but it was it was puckery uh we had coffees and we had dessert i forget actually what dessert was because it was on christmas eve so and i don't have the dessert menu i believe we had a creme brulee so now i have to tell you about the service The service was absolutely spectacular, but I've never seen anything so obtrusive in my entire life. Did it kind of hover? It was worse than that, Walter. My mom had hot tea with her meal, and she said to them, do you have honey? And they said yes, and they came out with this silver pot of honey. And my mom went to take it from her, and he literally pulled it back from his hands and said, put your hands down. And then he held it up over her head and let the honey drizzle into her tea. And we all sat there looking at this presentation, and I thought, this is just pretentious. So she said to him, bring it down a little lower. And she grabbed his hand and took a (laughs) teaspoon and kind of... Not your mom, huh? (laughs) And I thought, well, she said, okay, we're done, thanks. The funniest thing that happened was my mom, John and I sat on one side of the table and my mom sat on the other side of the table. And the silver, or I'm sorry, the salt and pepper shakers were closest to John. John took the salt and pepper shakers and moved them to the center of the table so that she could reach them. He no more took his hands off them 
Then another man reached over his head and put the salt and pepper shakers back. A second man came back and adjusted them so they were facing in the right direction. (laughs) A third man adjusted them a second time. You would put a fork down on the edge of your plate. Someone would take your fork away, replace it with a clean fork. Another person would reach over his head and readjust them. And it, it got to the point where... You would say to people, leave that alone. It's like, why don't you just sit at our table? Right. <laughs> this sounds very irritating. He literally stood behind me, and it was like this disembodied hand would come over and move <laughs> a salt and pepper shaker to the other end of the table. And I know that this is a radio a show, and that no one's going to be able to understand, but you would be eating, and he would come over, and he would do this while you were eating. And you would think, you know what? You are ju- This is so fussy, it's annoying. She had right. tea, and what they would do is they they came in and they actually readjusted the position of the handle of the tea every time they passed the table. So it was always pointing in a certain direction. That's weird. And you're just getting your germs all over my stuff, dude. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when stop we first, touching everything. My mother finally said to the gentleman, stop touching my stuff. Leave me alone. And it wasn't that. It was It, it was so over the top that it was intimidating. Right. Is it because it was slow that they no. needed something to do? No, it was full. It was Christmas Eve. Right. By the time we left, the whole place was packed and people huh. were waiting. And these were big parties. Um, it just was, it was the fussiest service I've ever seen in my entire life. And you know when you're done with a plate and you kind of push it back to let a waiter know that I'm done with this and you can take it the next mm-hmm. time you go by? Somebody would reach over your head and pull it back in front of you. <laughs> and I would think, all right. Kevin has a, a habit of uh, when we go out to eat, he'll stack the plates when we're done. We do that. Just to make it easier yeah. on the server. I don't and know. Plus, I, I like to, my area to be clean. Exactly. You want your area clean. You want them to know you're done. Thank you. You want to make it easier on the server. I don't want to make it sound like I'm sitting there with my little pot wallop or scrubbing the plates <laughs> or anything. <laughs> no, I, just, I just kind of like if I have a bread and butter plate, I'll stick it on top of my di- dinner plate and push it over a little yeah. bit. That kind of tells the server that, okay, I'm done with this. And they don't have to come and say, are you done with that, sir? Right. And he had started to do that, and one man ran up like we were going to be in Christine's jail. Right. For (laughs) Like I was beating babies or something. (laughs) Sir, don't do that. I thought, okay, I won't. I wonder what they would do for children and babies, like arrange their colors. Like, no, you need to arrange them like this. I actually felt like I didn't know how to have dinner. Yeah. That that's how they make you feel like you've really never done this before, correct? Now, did you notice I'm just curious, like if you were to have a glass of wine and say a lady you get lipstick on your glass, if they'd come over and like wipe the lipstick oh, away after that. every sip. No, John drinks water with lemon at every okay. meal. When John would do it, be halfway done, usually someone will come and fill your water. They would take your water glass and replace it with a fresh water glass. I finally said to one of the servers, "Who's doing the dishes in the back and are they ready to kill you?" Well, it was also the same way with the silverware. Every course, all the silverware got scooped up and all new silverware was put down, not I, just the ones you used. We tried to Everything. count afterwards, and I think I had, in the course of my meal, I had 11 different forks. Wow. And you th- I thought, if I was ever the dishwasher in the back, <laughs> yeah. I'd be stabbing you people. And his mother actually said at one point, I haven't used that yet. <laughs> <laughs> they took silverware that she hadn't used. This became, it became a game to see what we could do. To get yelled at. We would move the stuff so it was just out of position so they would come back and rearrange it. The food was very good. It's a very... It's overly elegant. And it's overly expensive. Again, this restaurant has been there for 25 years. It's in the Bay uh, Lake area of just outside of Disney. It's one of those places that has pictures of all the celebrities that have been there signed on the walls. Bay Lake is a a very um, popular 
golf community. A lot of the famous golfers whose names you would know, and the only I know like two. I know Arnold Palmer. Right. And I believe Woods. actually I believe Arnold Palmer <laughs> has a house in Bay Lake. Yep. Right. Um, so it's one of those places that I think this appeals to people who have enough money to not think it's expensive. Uh, the food is very, very good, in my opinion. Did they have, like, a dress code? It was Christmas Eve, and I went in khaki pants and a sweater. And But the people sitting at the table next to me had on suits. However, one man came in, and it, it, it was a T-shirt. So I, there was no prescribed dress code. Okay. I would have felt underdressed in less than khaki pants and a nice okay. sweater. It, it, it's I felt kind of like we might be eating in the White House. It's not like your typical Florida... You know, like you wear a nice pair of shorts and... No, this no, is not no. tour. This is not a tourist restaurant. Okay. This is not... You're going to be okay in flip-flops and your... Your jeans. nice flip-flops. Right. <laughs> this is... this is You're going to feel under These are my dressy sandals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've been dazzled. Exactly. <laughs> oh, there was glitter. And there are jewels. For sure. Sequins. Dinner for the three of us. We had three appetizers, three entrees, a diet soda... Oh, no, diet sodas, there's no refills. You pay by the diet soda. Mm. And another pretentious thing, this is coming, it's not like they were bringing out that little bottle and how to open it. This but is coming it, out of a fountain. But wasn't it really expensive? Wasn't it like six fifty per soda? Right. It was ridiculously wow. expensive. Uh, when I tell you this geez. is, in re- one coffee, three appetizers, three entrees, three diet sodas, a coffee, a and tea. one a tea, and one, di- actually, we brought our own tea bag. So yeah. all they did was provide a service. Was two hundred and thirty dollars. Now this was not a special menu. This was not you're paying ridiculous amounts of money for for the chef's table or something, right? Or for a Christmas Christmas Eve Eve special. This was was their regular menu, but it was special for you guys because it was your Christmas Eve outing. But what I'm saying is, it wasn't a holiday menu or anything. You get to go in and get this on Tuesday night. It was two hundred and thirty dollars for things like chicken parm and chicken piccata. And we know of a little Italian restaurant that we like where you can get that for $12. Mm-hmm. So, and the Nona, uh, we talked, used to talk about Nono's. My chicken parm was 15 bucks. My chicken parm at dinner was 45 Wow. Just think how many chickens you could buy for that. <laughs> <laughs> so while it was, the food was very good, and we've gotten a great deal of humor out <laughs> of our experience, if I was just going out to dinner, I would find this annoying. This level of pretension that goes along with what really amounts to peasant food. I mean, we're having chicken parm and lemon or chicken piccata and soup. So it, it, it's good, but we recommend a lot of places off property to people who are staying at Disney. I don't think this is one of them. It's not the kind of place if you're on vacation that I would recommend you go. Even if you're looking for a special meal, stay on Disney property. Narcoosies. Narcoosies, Citrico's. Do something Chico. like that. Yep. So that was our Christmas Eve. If you really want good olives and good soup, though, and some of that. Just go for the free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I imagine you would have, if you, there's three of you, you'll have ten servers whose heads explode when you get up and leave after just having. That'd be 
fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did order. I did ask for more olives, and that caused quite a stir. <laughs> I was like, can we get more olives? He wants more can you olives. Imagine you can put a little hidden camera in like your lapel pin, and everybody come in all dressed up nice, sit, have your olives and your eggplant, and then everyone's like, well, we're done. <laughs> I'm full. I paid six fifty for a soda, sucker. This is mine. <laughs> oh. So. That was it. That was our Christmas Eve this year. Thank you so much, Kevin. That was awesome. (laughs) Would you go back and do it again as a Christmas Eve thing? No. No. Um, I would go back and do it again. However, I'm uh, bold enough to let them know that you all need to back away. I also don't think it would be a type of place where we would bring his mom again. She just doesn't eat enough, and she feels bad when it's that expensive. So... He and I would go because we would get our money's worth out of it. But I don't think we would take her back. My mom doesn't eat one-fifth of her what's put in front of her. Usually when we go out, she and I split a meal. And I might go back and do that again. So it's not the – the food was good enough. It just I would have to let them know that I needed them to sort of have a a demilitarized zone where we could just kind of eat in quiet without – Constantly looking over our, our shoulder to see who was going to swoop in and rearrange my plate for me. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. We're going to move on um, for Kathy. She's going to tell us about Smarter Planet over at Epcot. Well, Smarter Planet opened in Interventions West, and I always have a hard time keeping track of which one's west and which one's east. But if is it the electric umbrella side, or is it the Soren side? It's the Soren side. I was going to say the right side of Spaceship Earth. That's how I keep them. It's in the same spot that IBM's always been in. They've just redone their area. And they're the one and only original sponsor left from Interventions, which I didn't realize. They've been there from the beginning. So um, if you're a fan of, you used to be able to go in and get your picture taken in the IBM booth and send an email back to your friends and relatives and rub it in that you were there. Can't do that anymore. (laughs) Um, But they... Their whole area now is called Smarter Planet, how you can, as everybody working like as a group, we can help make the planet better, but how like computers and technology and all that can weave into your daily life. So if you're looking for a place to sit down and get out of the heat, they now have a nice little lounge area. There's a couple sofas and some chairs. So if your kids or whoever off somewhere, you could be sitting inside. And they're much more comfortable chairs than the ones on the other side, the ones that look like they'd be really comfy, but they're made out of cement. Have you ever sat in those over by um, they have Stormstruck? Do they have backs on them? Yeah, they have backs okay. on them. Yep. <laughs> Just checking. And Not for long, though. <laughs> they have you know a, a display wall, which was, you know. It's just going to get you into it. And then they had a bunch of computer terminals that you can play um, a game. And they have a, they had a matching game, and I forget what the other one was. But you can go in and different, again, things that make an impact on the planet. You can go in and play the game, and then you get your score at the end. It's really not all that exciting. It was something different. But then across the walkway, they now have this area that you can go in and make your own personalized avatar and play a video game where they, again, show you how technology has made things better. So you, you get in the queue line, and again, they're, I guess they must be expecting huge crowds because it, you know, it doubled back on itself a couple times. But we were the second person in line, so so far the crowds aren't there. But you walk in, and they've got these TV screens 
there and there's an arrow on the floor and they they tell you stand on the arrow well they ask how many you have in your group so i stood behind my daughter um but what they didn't tell you was anybody that's standing in that area you end up as part of the avatar so katie was there and then you see part of me in the thing it it just they need to explain it a little bit better. One person per Right, one person standing. stand here, and they have you run, jump, and dance. Mm. So you look a little silly standing there, you know, doing your little dance moves or <laughs> whatever you want to do. So in, in place, in that spot. In that spot, on the place, arrow. Yeah. Oh. Right, and you do these things, and then you wait, and a cast member comes over and gets you and then takes you over to another area with more video screens that corresponds like we were in booth two. So they took you over to computer two and they load in your personalized avatar as you play the game and you have to, you know, uh, catch the rings and do different things. And they tell you like little computer facts while they're doing this. Um, And they grade you at the end. But again, that's like an avatar, like the blue movie Smurf avatar. Like the blue no, avatar, as in it's a computer representation right, of yourself. Yeah. Oh, not one of those blue cat people? No, from not the no. James Cameron movie. <laughs> no, so, you, you know, I said it's just sort of weird, but they have you, like, jumping up, and then there's, like, a, a, a spot where you look like you're on a surfboard, and you're, like, surfing through technology, and... So let me get this straight. <laughs> I know, Julie, you want to go tomorrow. Um, I could not tell you what is in either intervention. <laughs> Those chairs sound kind of exciting. Well, I think it's great is to save the planet, you go into the air-conditioned building yes. and run electronics. <laughs> That's my idea of environmental. Al Gore yells at you. This exactly. is <laughs> that, that would be an interesting yeah, Even that would be more exciting. This I mean, sounds like that thing Bob did where you went and sorted your garbage. <laughs> he was really excited about that. This, do you remember, I, the first time I ever went to interventions is when um, Sony or Sega had like video games mm-hmm. that you sat there and I thought, wow, interventions was really a happening place. The first time I went to an invention, you got on this stationary bicycle and you pedaled and it showed you how long you had to pedal for to get the light bulb to light up and how long you had to pedal to keep it lit for how long. That's what was exciting when I found it. Oh, wow. But, I mean, this Smarter Planet, I'm sure the kids will like it because they, you know, they get to see themselves jumping through it. But would I rush back to do it again? Probably not. My luck is Ferris is going to love interventions. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you can't, chairs. <laughs> so you can't take the picture anymore and do the postcard anymore? Right, you can't do the postcard. Mm-mm. That was very you can, popular. You can email your, I guess it's the avatar. I never looked when we got home, but you, they ha- have a screen that you can put in your um, email address. And I guess I'll have to look when I go home to see what they actually send you. But again, it's... Can't you still do that in Journey to Imagination in front of the Wall of Oranges? Yeah, you can do it there. You have the weirdest way of describing this stuff. <laughs> I, I swear. So. You know like, exactly what I'm oranges. talking about, though, don't you? Wall of oranges. I don't know. <laughs> don't you remember you used to stand in front of that wall and it had orange balls in it or yellow balls in it, and it looked like you were standing in front of a wall of oranges? Go to Get Out More. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the game was de- designed by the Imagineer, so I'll give them a few points for that, but it's more an IBM commercial than it is anything else. So, It's going to be one of those things when you're in Epcot and 
Just one of those small things to do on the side. Yeah, what's this? Let's try yeah. it. Yeah. It's try a rainy day. It's hot outside. Let's go in and eventually. Right. So, but we have pictures up. We have a blog up with pictures. So if you feel so inclined as to run over there, you'll know what to expect. There are going to be people sitting in their cars knowing what I'm talking about. The orange wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're screaming at their radios, going, "I know that place." Gotcha. You went into Journey into Imagination. You had your picture taken, and you could send that. An email to and when you got out of the ride is what you're talking about. Yes, and you could morph it. You could put ears on it. We have a picture of you mm-hmm. and I. We're wearing hats. Oh, I'd like to see that. Big, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they still have four stations in Journey to make okay. emails. So, so it's not fabulous, but yeah. somebody will enjoy it. Yes. All right. Thanks, Kathy, for your report. That's going to do it for our show today. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Have a good week. You need a line. Yeah, I don't have one. I'm like you.